The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. the show you're listening to Rail and Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And it does matter. It matters and I get a chance to come in and, and share my opinions with the entire world out there. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in. If you want to call in, sure. Don't don't be scared. Come on, call in. Have a conversation with me. After all, you can do that with uh, somebody who knows a little bit about the game, played the game, loves the game, has a passion for the game, and has all the respect in the world for those out there who have opinions just like mine. I'm sitting on mine. You're probably sitting on yours. Why don't you share it a little bit with me? You can call in at 888-346-9144. Again, that's 888 888- Three four six nine one four four. I want to shout out to all the guys here at Voice America Sports. Been doing a great job uh, with their shows. Of course, uh, it's the start of a new season, start of a new college season as well. And I think we enjoyed some games. We we're disappointed about others, but the fact of the matter is, listen. Somebody said something this past weekend that I kind of I share with them a little bit, and that is one game does not necessarily make a great team, but one game can determine if a team is great or not. Now, you're probably thinking, that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it does. Because, you know, we have to be careful the way we use the word great. I mean, that that is the, the, that's the, the highest compliment you can pay to a player or, or to anything. Is, you know, it, and that means it's simply the best. You know, very few come close to it. If, you know, there may be some that come close uh, and probably equal, but doesn't surpass. And so, you know, we were looking to see uh, some great games. And and there are, I mean, there are great games out there, multiple games that playing at one time, and some of them are great games, come right down to the wire, and that's what we as fans would hope that we would see. We, we'd like to see great performances. You know, that could be a performance, could be a one-time performance. But when you talk about great teams, you know, you're supposed to, um, to show up on the field, be spectacular, and get it done, get the job done throughout that season, probably go without a blemish on that, on that, on that season, and, and go undefeated. And probably, you can't, that's perfection. That's great. Uh, but again, if you lose one game, then guess what? You, you, you can't be great. You know, you, I mean, to be great in, in sports, somebody wins, somebody loses. And uh, perfection is normally easy to find when you have a winner and a loser. And in, in sports, you know, you have that. So 
there were some games that uh, were a little disappointing this weekend. Of course, I want to give a shout-out to the Ohio State University and the Buckeyes. And, of course, uh, Coach Meyer, uh, Coach Urban Meyer and the, and the Buckeyes did a great job. But listen, let me change that word. They did a very good job in terms of, you know, getting those game day jitters out. First game day jitters, you know, new coach, you know, same place, same field. Um, a lot of the same players, uh, but the expectation, the uncertainty, you never know. You know, remember, these schedules are made up years in advance. So I don't care if it's Little Sisters of the Poor. If you're coming into the Ohio State University, you know you're going to go into the Ohio State University years in advance. As a matter of fact, some coaches even recruit, letting them know, hey, listen, here's the teams that we're playing. We're even playing in the horseshoe in, in year 2012. You know, they may not have known uh, that there was going to be a new coach there, but they knew they were going to line up and play the Buckeyes. And so, you know, uh, Ohio State got to win. And I'm happy that they got to win. What does that mean? Do they have a great football team? No. Do they have a good football team? That's yet to be seen. We need to play against a more formidable, uh, you know, opponent to, to decide if we have, a, you know, a good football team. Uh, but the guys did a good job. They came out with a W. That's important. Uh, they got better as, as the game went on. And uh, now we did see a great catch. There's no doubt in my mind we saw a great catch. Uh, one of the greatest catches of all time. It was a touchdown. You can't do anything more than score a touchdown on a catch. And then, you know, to be one-handed, jump backwards, snag it down, pull it down, hit the ground, maintain control, great catch. Uh, not necessarily a, a great throw, but it may even go down as a great throw because you put in a position, the only position that just your man can catch it at the back of the end zone, jump up, throw it back, shoulder, that kind of thing. So let's say it was a great throw and a great catch. Although some quarterbacks may say, no, that wasn't a great throw. But then other quarterbacks will argue, hey, it was a great throw. It was, you know, you know your athletic ability of your receiver. You know how high he can jump. You know his his hands. You know he can catch. You know where you can put it at. And based upon, you know, you having all the attributes of that individual, you know what he can do. He may have thrown that to a tackle or, you know, or tight end. He's, nah, that's not going to happen. He can't catch that ball like that. I can't even put in that position for him to th- expect him to catch it. But when you got good wide receivers, they can make great catches. So, um, of course, I can't go without talking about Penn State. I have to talk about Penn State from a respectful position. First of all, I think it was a very honorable thing for the team to come out and acknowledge the victims, those who have been victim with a patch, I think, on their helmet. Yeah, I think that was very honorable of the university. I think it was very honorable of those young men who decided to stay there and play for a university that it was a university that they chose to play for. It was not a person, but it was the university. It was, of course, you know, the tradition of the university. Now, sometimes that tradition is is built and, and is, is part of, the, you know, a component of the tradition has to do with the involvement of a certain individual. And that's Joe Paterno. And so those young men came there to, to play football based upon the tradition of the university and the coach, Joe Paterno, not knowing all things about all people. And let me just say this. We don't know. We don't live in a glass house. All those people out there who want to throw stones, let's, let's not throw stones. Okay, let, let's not throw stones because you, you would have to live in and walk in that man's shoes and the individual's shoes to kind of know what you would have done. And, and I've been critical and said what they should have done. And I thinking, you know, some of the things I've been through in my life, you know, I'm just going to tell. 
because sometimes you just stop and think about consequences and, you know, you weigh them out. The good, the bad, the ugly, throw it up there. Okay, what rises to the top? Let's do good. And so the good thing is it's going to come out anyway. If it's ever one of those things I tell when I speak to kids throughout the country, I would say to them, listen, there's two things to think about. It's, it's, It's consequences. If your parents find out, or if you're a believer of God, and God knows, if either one of them see you at this moment or know about the situation you're dealing with, what are they? What would they want you to do? And that's the answer. It's an answer for adults. Hey, what would you want your kids to do? That's the answer. Not don't take it, remove yourself from it. Put your kids in that place. What would you want them to do? That's the right thing to do. If you're a child, what would your parents want you to do? What would God want you to do? That's the answer. Okay, so. Penn State, hey, you know what? In my mind, honestly, I think the best thing that happened to Penn State University, it was for them to lose that football game. I know some people are saying, why? Why would you want them to lose that football? Hater, the Ohio State University hating again. No, I think it's all a part of the grieving process, you know, and let's, hey, let's really be humbled. This is not about us because, again, they've been right back into the winning and, and, and then forgotten about. No, this is part of the grieving process about what was happening, what happened. So as you, you know, kind of take that loss as somewhat of, you know, burying a hatchet in another sad moment. OK, now, now you got something like one of the players said he felt that doesn't want that feeling again and it will never happen again. And he was talking about the game and and he was talking about, of course, for them, it probably was a little embarrassing. After all, they they, we are Penn State, as as they say, and Penn State football players did not anticipate losing that football game in a manner which they did. But let me just say, you know, people talked about the emotional drain. That's one thing about as an athlete there. When you play the game with passion and emotion, you do have to channel that. Because when you just come out of the blocks and you exert so much energy to the point where you're drained and you don't replenish at least your fluids and, and something, you know, to, to, to continue to keep the energy level, you know, as high as it possibly can be within the rules, then it is going to be drained. But emotionally, you can control that to a degree because you're going to be some, so hyped sometimes. But from an intellectual perspective, talking about football IQ, there's certain mistakes that you just should not make. I'm gonna, you know, move on from Penn State. I'm gonna move to the Alabama and Michigan game. You know, there was I, I could not believe I was watching the game. Shout out to Kirk Herbstreit, but 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 Kirk, there was a, a a play of which the outside linebacker for the University of Michigan you know, had on the goal line with the tight end right there in front of him. That's his man. I think that that was a mental mistake. He, when when you have, when you play football and you have a tight end at the end of the, you know, he's the last receiver there and that's your man. I don't care if it's a wide receiver, he's in front of you, that's your man. At that point in time, if that is your man in pass coverage, you have no other pass responsibility as a matter of fact, if it's your man, until you read run, you have no other responsibility. So at the beginning, the first thing and the only thing you're thinking about is pass. That means I don't care if there's 
50,000? If there's 120,000, if it's 99,000, I don't care how many people are in that stadium, you don't look at any of those people. I don't care how many people are on that field, you don't look at any of those people. I don't even care about the football on that field. You don't even look at the football when you're down on the goal line and you have man-to-man. You look at your man. And there's no reason why in the world except if you have a mental lapse. If that is your man and he runs past you and you've got to turn and run to catch him. So in my mind, when I watch the Michigan football game, and I got just got to say this because I'm going to catch hell from Mark McMillan. I mean, I'm going to catch hell from Lil Mac when he comes in here. Roll tie, roll tie. When he comes in here on Friday, I'm going to catch hell because, again, SEC Big Ten. But I just want to say mental, there was more mental mistakes. Shout out to my man Mel Owens, too. There were more mental mistakes on Michigan's part than there was physical. I'm going to tell you another. You know, my man Robinson, you know, they, they talk about, you know, he's out of the Heisman race. Now, I'm not going to necessarily say he's out of the Heisman race. Because one game, again, a team, one game don't make you great. But a player, one game does not necessarily affect your greatness. Because you can have a, again, you as a player are not going to be perfect. A player is not going to be perfect. A quarterback is going to throw incomplete passes. A quarterback is going to fumble the ball, some snaps or whatever. Quarterback may have a bad game against a good team. That's okay. You can, redemption's always there. In a bowl game, you might meet him someplace else. But the fact of the matter is, I think there was mentally he wasn't prepared to play that game. I saw, if you will, a quarterback that has a tremendous amount of athletic ability, you know, cornered and put into, you know, or required to play a game that is so far from his game. The Robinson, young man that we're looking for to show up, we didn't see, he didn't even come to the game. He didn't show up. He missed the plane. That was not the person we expected to see in the game. You were supposed to give them what they expected to get from you. And that is what they did not expect. And that is whatever you have, because when you are that good and you have that much athletic ability, you like a run like Barry Sanders. Barry can't tell you just give him the ball. He can't tell you what he's going to do. And Brother Robinson, you were supposed to you, you were supposed to drop back. It might have been a pass, but nobody was supposed to ever know what the end results of that play might have been because you didn't know because you were going to improvise like they've never seen before. So you didn't give you didn't give Alabama what they were expecting. So in that case, I think you're going to come back and redeem yourself. I just hope it ain't against the Ohio State University. I hear some music, so we got to take a break. You listen to Rail the Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I'll be right back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And, you know, of course, I was just talking a little bit as we went to break there about, you know, the University of Michigan and, and letting us down and, you know, letting ourselves down. But uh, I just expect more from the University of Michigan. I expect more from the football team. I expect them to come out to be prepared, you know, win or lose. It's supposed to be a great football game. A very competitive game. It's supposed to give the fans what they want. It's supposed to go down to the wire. There's not supposed to be a conference opponent from another conference to come in, uh, you know, and, and play a game of which, you know, you find yourself completely dominated. And I think that was, it certainly went down in history as the worst loss, opening loss in the history of the University of Michigan football program. And, uh, I, I just think it was, it was somewhat embarrassing. Um, and if it would happen to the Buckeyes, I'd say the same thing. Because anytime you know you're playing against another conference of which is supposed to be, uh, of which you, you know, very much so want to make the case and the argument that, uh, you know, they're your, your peers, you know, and that, that they are maybe one of the only conferences out there that perhaps maybe may be your peer. Uh, but, uh, they've continued to show me and I've got to be humble. I've got to humble myself. SEC appears to be, you know, Somewhat superior to the Big Ten. Uh, you know, Big 12, call us what you want to call us. You know, Big Ten in my heart always, you know. And, uh, you know, Urban Meyer said that on, on, on a broadcast about a year ago. And he sat there in the, on the broadcast booth with Chris Spillman and, and he said that and, and I was surprised that, that Chris didn't make the argument. He may have. Perhaps maybe I've been hitting my head too many times. I don't remember. Perhaps maybe Chris may have, uh, challenged him on that. But certainly, uh, as a team, uh, they have dominated um, everybody. Uh, as a team, those conference teams have dominated other teams. Individually, yes, sure, the Big Ten has put out some players uh, that ha- are comparable to those coming out of SEC and perhaps maybe superior to those coming out of SEC. Uh, I'm, I'm sure would be, this would be what would be surprising to a lot of you right now. To have a conversation right at this moment about the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. I would certainly say when you get out of the, but before you get out of the top five, you got two Big Ten guys right there. 
There's no doubt in my mind. Well, you, everybody knows perhaps maybe Tom Brady is maybe the best, you know, and then you got Drew Brees in the top five, you know, so that's, that's, you know, that's, that's at least what 40% of the quarter, top quarterbacks in the NFL come out of the Big Ten. You know, you look at some other positions too, you know, individual, that's what I'm saying, individual players. The Big Ten can give, you know, the SEC a run for their money. But when you talk about teams, uh, you know, they're superior. I'm just going to humble myself and say they're superior until we prove different. Right now they're superior. But I tell you what, you don't have to be, you don't, <laughs> you know what? This is so amazing because shout out to my man, Kelvin Fisher. Uh, they will find pro football players anywhere. And I'm going to tell you what, I think the Arizona Cardinals right now, you might want to take a look down at uh, Eureka, a Division three school. There's a young man down there by the name of Sam Dorley. 736 passing yards. Now, I'm, I'm not mad at him. As a matter of fact, I'm a little happy. Because I'm going to say this, one game, one game, you can have a great game, and that's a great game. Because he now has exceeded and surpassed anybody in the history of college football as relates to the amount of passing yards in one particular game. Anybody in the history of college football, nobody in the history of college football has ever thrown for 736 yards. Shout out to Sam Durley. Eureka, Division Three. Now, I know you're going to say it's Division Three. I don't care what you say. 736 arms oh, sore. Yes, he got his, probably got his ice bag on his arm, you know, had it on since the game was over. You know, but a very humble young man. I listened to, to the interview. He gave credit. He said all the right things. Probably just threw himself in the picture of some pro teams going to look at him. I know they're looking at him. I looked at him. You know, 736 yards. And you know what I got to admit? You know, my name is in this conversation somewhere. Somewhere out there, you're going to find Ray Ellis, Mike Guess, Vince Skillings, and rest in peace, my man, Big Bell, Todd Bell. We were victimized. We were victimized by the University of Illinois on one Saturday. Man, woo, 644 yards, about 100 yards less then what this man, yeah, you know, give or take a few yards, 644 yards. At least he scored 62 points and they won. University of Illinois did not, uh, Brad Childress, Brad, shout out to you. <laughs> yeah, Brad Childress used to be the head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, when I see Brad, he shakes my hand and I shake his and I look at him and I say, you know, you made my day. Uh, because believe it or not, when I was at the university, at the Ohio State University, all four of those guys' names I just mentioned to you were drafted in the NFL. Um, myself and Todd Bell, Vince Gillings, Mike Guess, all four of us were drafted. It was Mike's senior year, Mike and Todd's and Vince's uh, junior year. Um, but Brad Childress came in with a game plan to exploit, you know, the passing game, uh, maybe because of the fact that maybe he could. He'd come up with a scheme. Now, I, there was no long, deep passes, but, you know, it was, you know, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. You know, just a little short, you know, catch and run, catch and run, catch and run, throw it in, in front of the defense, make us run up and catch it. They wouldn't get behind us. You know, we was playing Pete Carroll. Shout out to Pete Carroll, head coach for Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, Pete had come in there and taught us how to play cover two. So I told you guys, cover two's been around a long time. I'm talking 1979. 
We played cover two, but I'm telling you, no, nobody wasn't going too far back there because Big Bell and Vince was laying wood. But there was a couple of little dinks and dunks in front of the linebackers and stuff like that, and in front of the corners, myself and Mike S., you know. Um, but 644 yards, that seemed like a long day. And our sleeves on the other side, on our side of the ball, our had a pretty damn good day, too. We won that game. But I just want to point out that, you know, it, to me, you know, like Sam was not aware. He thought he was throwing for like 400-some yards. I had no clue that the University of Illinois had thrown for 644 yards on us. No way. Imaginable. I didn't even think it could happen. And they didn't carry one receiver off the field that day? I don't believe so. Some should have. We should have took somebody out. You know, not injure them, just hurt them, hurt their feelings, just, you know, put a little fear in them. But 644 yards. So it's imaginable for me. I can see how it could happen. I can see how the man would think he didn't throw for that many yards, but he did. But my point for Arizona Cardinals, you know, you don't even, you okay, you pick the quarterback. You don't really know who you're, you need a quarterback. You might want to take a look at this young man. 736 yards. You know, all he needs is like a couple hundred more yards, and, you know, he got a 1,000 yards, and that's only one game. He could pass, possibly throw for maybe three, 4,000 yards this season. I, I hope he does. And, and he's a Division three quarterback, and, you know, I'm, I'm shout out for Division three schools. There's hope. Don't give up on him. There's hope. And like I said, Big Ten quarterback, shout out for you. A Big Ten quarterback threw for 644 yards. Back in the day, somebody just, you know, this past weekend, Big Ten quarterbacks didn't look that good. But that's okay. It ain't over with. Just take your time and just wait, and, and we're going to be okay. But uh, let, let's move on a little bit. Uh, um, just one more thing on that Penn State thing. If I could, I wish the program well. Those victims out there, God bless you. I wish you the best and the most joy that you could possibly find in your life and your healing process because nobody deserves to go through what you went through and my prayers are with you so uh and closing that out uh let me let me let me move on now because we got some stuff going on i mean it is it's the nfl season and uh, they just told me to hold on because I had a point that I got to make on. I can't go from the Big Ten because I got to I got to stay in the Big Ten because I got to shout out to Michigan State University. And I'm going to shout and scold you. I'm screaming at you. Be better stewards of the game than what you were. Come on, you, you sportsmanship. You know, that's just not what you do. You don't look at one of your foes down the road of which you're going to have to play. And, yeah, you've dominated the University of Michigan the past few years, but that's still the University of Michigan. That's still an opponent. And you don't ever give them fuel for fire. And, and listen, social media, you, you know, be, when you say being social, being social is normally being nice. Being social is normally not being nasty and mean. And, and there, there, there's a part of sport. You are always a sportsman, and you always have to show sportsmanship. So you have to learn how to be a good winner and a good loser, but always a good sportsman because you represent the game and everything about it. Now, in terms of the social media and, and the way some of the players at Michigan State took to their tweet accounts and, and said some 
demonstrated some unsportsmanlike conduct, if you will. Shout out to Des Clark, the original sportsmanlike conduct. I, I just cannot believe there has to be some, con- there should be consequences. I understand. Shout out to my man, Brad Shear, too. Bradley Shear, BradShearLaw.com, social media expert, attorney, too. <laughs> but I understand people have rights, so I'm not saying that you should take away their rights. But you can have a right and you can abuse your rights as is affiliated with a program. And, and these players are affiliated with a program. So they do represent this brand and there's a time and they represent themselves as well. But together, when you are a student athlete, you represent yourself, your family, your university and your football team and your football conference and the NC2A. So we're just asking you because you really could be affecting things for yourself in your future. Stop and think about it. You could be affecting things in a negative way for yourself and your future. And it's not the first time. I know you want the attention. It's okay. It happens sometimes. You know, and everybody says, well, is it all about? Well, it's not all about, but some of us are the attention. How do I know that? Because I don't go out and play football anymore in an empty stadium. I never played football. Well, when I was a kid, and I mean a kid, not a young man, we played for the love of the game. And we nobody was ever there watching us except those who were playing. And if you were playing, you shouldn't have been watching. You should have been participating and make a play. But as you got older and you started enjoying it, you liked the roar of the crowd. So you did things. For the roar of the crowd that fed mm, a little bit of ego, but a little bit of aspirations because you wanted to get there and you finally got there and you're enjoying it. You enjoyed it. Don't lose the enjoyment of the game because some coaches, you know, sports is they got their own rules. And if you don't abide by them, there's consequences. Ain't that what Eddie Murphy said? Repercussion and consequences. I hear that music. I got to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to get on the NFL. You know I am. I can't let it go. It's in my DNA. You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like like it matters because I've had a couple cups of coffee. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You know the show, you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and uh, I'm happy to be here today. Happy that I can talk a little football, but I just wish the Arizona Cardinals could get it done. Get, I don't want to be in a city that I live in. I, I, you know, it becomes your third team. You got a team where you, probably where you grew up at and you really liked them as, as a kid. And then perhaps maybe, you know, you might have gone on to college and so maybe there was a team in the city of which, you know, you went to school at. And then, you know, where you decide to break it down a little bit and ride off into the sunset. So there's a third team. So that becomes your, you know, your third connection to an NFL team. And so for me, of course, Cleveland Browns played there, grew up, watched them, you know, Philadelphia Eagles drafted by them, played there, love them. You know, in the Arizona Cardinals, I live here in Phoenix, so I'm I'm trying to adjust, and I love the Arizona Cardinals defense. I, listen, they're not great, but they they play with intensity. That's what I that's what I like about the Philadelphia Eagles. Before I got there, the Philadelphia Eagles, and I heard, shout out to Tony Dorsett. I heard I heard Tony say this on shout out to James Loving. I heard him say it on Love Show that when you play the Philadelphia Eagles, man, you 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 need to have your head on the swivel. The Philadelphia Eagles did not play. He talked about, you know, as a young person coming into the game, he just, you know, Bill Berge. You know, Bill Berge was what the, who he was looking for, head on a swivel. The Arizona Cardinals, they play with that kind of intensity. You know, that you got to have your head on a swivel when the defensive side of the team is on the, on the field. Because they bring the heat. Now, on the offensive side, I would just say this, listen, I knew... The Arizona Cardinals was in trouble when Kevin Cobb came in here in one of the first passes that he threw. And it may have been a preseason. I think it was a preseason game. It may have been a regular season, but I think it was a preseason game. He threw what we call a six across the middle to Larry Fitzgerald in between the safety and the corner. But he laid Larry out. I just talked to you about a play of which uh, young man Miller threw a nice pass to receive at the Ohio State University, snagged it put the ball in a position where the receiver was not exposed, you know, was not going to get knocked out, you know, and the only person who could catch it was him. That You develop what you call chemistry quarterbacks do with their receivers. You know where they're going to be, you know when they're going to be, They when they're going to be there. They know what you're going to do in terms of scrambling. When you scramble out of the pocket, offensive linemen don't always know it necessarily but the running, the the receivers know it because they're looking back at the quarterback. The linemen, and again, this is no disrespect to the linemen, but see, the linemen don't know. They know where the quarterback's supposed to be, 
But once a defensive lineman makes a move on an offensive lineman, it now changes and the quarterback now has to improvise. So you don't necessarily know offensive lineman. You don't necessarily know where the quarterback's at because your back is to him. A receiver He's now run downfield, and now he's got his head on the swivel, and he's looking back at the quarterback. So, therefore, he can now work his way open on the field because he and the quarterback are making eye contact with each other. Now, the quarterback isn't necessarily looking at the rush at this particular time, but he is aware of where the rush is coming from. So he now escapes to a position on the field of which he has the ability to throw the ball. And in doing so... He tries to throw the ball in a way and such. He's trying to escape from <laughs> any punishment. And so he doesn't want to put his receivers in a position where just because I'm getting that away from, you know, the contact, I don't want to lead you into the contact. So I'm going to throw the ball in such a way where you can save me from being sacked. And also at the same time, you can make a catch and, and, and we can move the ball down the field. If you're in the pocket, the, the, the receiver expects the kind of throw that you're going to, again, keep him out of harm's way. Kevin Cobb laid Larry Fitzgerald out the first time he threw the pass to him. And Larry got hurt and had to come off the field. And everybody in the stands saw it. Everybody watching TV saw it. And, and the reason why I think it sticks in everybody's mind, because what they saw previous to that was Kurt Warner. Now, I'm going to go way back into my days, and I can tell you this, and this is an honest-to-goodness true fact. I played a wide receiver in high school, and I had a quarterback by the name of Rock Hontas. As a matter of fact, he is now Dr. Rock Hontas. Shout out to Rock down in New Orleans. I'll probably see him at the Super Bowl this year. Rock was went on to break all the records at Tulane University. But in high school, my sophomore, my junior year, he was a starting quarterback. He was a year ahead of me. One time in my entire career with him did I ever have to jump or extend myself for a ball one time and one time I had to do that and, and I paid for it but it was a high pass and it was over the middle and he threw it and I jumped up and uh you know and the linebacker you know thought he did something he, you know hit me in the legs flipped me you know but you know what I jumped right up held the ball up let him know hey man it's all good first down let's keep going move the chains but I, I had confidence that I worked my way open. But my quarterback at that time, he laid me up. But that's okay. Because that was one time. And I made the play for him, and he didn't do that again. And so Larry Fitzgerald, when Kevin Cobb, if that's the way you're going to start off, then there is a little concern about that. And I want you to just look, since Kurt Warner's been gone, gone from the Arizona Cardinals, Look at the production of Larry Fitzgerald. It's, it's not what it was. Now, he's still one of the best wide receivers in the game, but that has to do with what he's done in the past. This is a still what have you done for me lately in the league. So Larry Fitzgerald has to improve his production, and he can only do that as a wide receiver is if the quarterback can get the ball to him. So I think we got Mr. Skelton's going to try to come in and see if he can get the ball to Larry Fitzgerald. But Arizona happens to be a team we're still in need of a quarterback. Don't know. This is just an experiment that's going on this week. Just an experiment. It's not, you know, etched in stone. So before I get through my prediction and some conferences of this week's game, you know, again, the question was thrown out again about Eli. 
Eli being a Hall of Fame quarterback. First of all, I just want to give a shout out to Eli, the fact that they're even talking about him being a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's still a young man. He's got two Super Bowl rings. You know, what is the resume of many of those? When you look at the resume of many of those in the Hall of Fame, what's required? What's the prerequisites in order to be considered for the Hall of Fame? Well, if you just throw out, not that he was just started in two, you know, Super Bowls, but he was a starting quarterback for the teams throughout the years. And he's taken his team to two Super Bowls and he's won. That certainly, okay, gets my attention. Yes. Two Super Bowl championships, two appearances, mm. MVP, mm. okay, sounds good to me. So at first the, the conversation was, and it's funny how it just it's moved away from that conversation. The conversation was, is Eli Manning last year at the start of the season, is he an elite quarterback? From last year to this year, the question is now, is Eli Manning a Hall of Fame quarterback? Eli has <laughs> proven he's elite and current and also the history. And now he's putting himself in the Hall of Fame conversation. Shout out to you, Eli. I know you only went nine and seven. Don't make a difference what the record was during the season. The big dance, if you get an invitation, can you get another dance? Can you get another dance? Can you get crowned king of the National Football League? And that, he got, he's got the crown. He's wearing it right now. What else can you say? Now let's talk about, um, Tony Romo. Tony Romo, you know, when you look at Tony Romo's statistics on paper, he's got great statistics on paper. But also, what a championship quarterback does just that. He wins championships. And he has to produce at a time when his, when his team needs him to produce. Now, <laughs> I understand the fact that the matter is that you could put your team in such a position that, you know, you turn the ball over to the defense and you hope that the defense perhaps maybe would hold on to the, you know, to the lead and they lose it. But the fact of the matter is if you know your team and you know what to expect out of your defense, then the fact of the matter is you know you have to put your team in a better position. You have to have your team in a position where it's coming down to the end of the fourth quarter and you got a two-touchdown lead. A one-touchdown lead may not be enough for your defense. You know this defense. you played with this defense for a number of years now. A seven-point lead may not get it done. A three-point lead may not get it done. You know what you need going into the fourth quarter based upon the performance of the defense, you know. So you cannot expect, you know, that people will not blame that on you if indeed that's your, that's your job. That's your job. Your job is to put the team in the best position to win a football game. If we need, you see the commercial? <laughs> Come on, Eli, we need... Can we get, uh, how about a touchdown? Uh, how about two? Can we get, can we get three? Can we get four? Can we get six? Can we get what we need to win the football game? The bottom line is they say defense wins championships, but defense can score points. But most of the time we do not go into a game expecting our defense to score any points. We expect to go into a game and we expect our offense to score points. As a matter of fact,
We expect our offense to score more points than the other team does. Tony Romo, when you do that, that's when we can put you in the elite quarterback conversation. We're certainly not bringing you into the Hall of Fame conversation. And so I want all those out there who are making excuses to stop making excuses. The fact of the matter is, shout out to my man Randy in the engineering department. I know he listening. But the fact of the matter is, Tony Romo's got to step up, got to put his team in a position to win the game. How do you win the game? You score more points than the other team. Bottom line, I don't want to hear what it, what the defense didn't do this. You know, we put our defense in a bad position. You know, every time, you know, okay, we'll move the ball down closer. You know, change the field of position. You know, put your punter in a position where, you know, at least you got the ball where he can, you know, kick it into the corner, carpet corner, and now they're starting inside the 10-yard line, which will give you better position that you get points on the board. But the bottom line is when you step on the field, Tony, when you walk off of it, get some points. Get a field goal. Get a touchdown. When you're in the red zone, come away with a touchdown. Red zone's 20 yards. 20-yard line, you're there, throw a pass. Jason Witten isn't there. You've got it now. Now you got to look for some other receivers. You know, you got to understand the fact that who anybody can be your weapon when you're down there. It's best that they don't know who you're going to. Surprise them. Spread the ball around. Use your feet. Keep your head down the field. I don't want to give you all this inside information on how to become successful because your coaches should be doing this. But the fact of the matter is, for some reason, you're not getting it done. The man's already said the time is now for the Dallas Cowboys. When now? Or go home. I hear that music again. Gotta take a break. This is the Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. We'll be right back for the final fourth quarter. Man. Okay. We'll be back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum, or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
All right, here's the music, you know the show. You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And it matters that it's almost that time. Today's Tuesday, tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to start the National Football League season 2012. Man, I'm happy as football. Man, I'm happy football's here. Woo! I'll tell you what, I know some other people out there, some other pundits out there that are considered experts in the National Football League. And I like to look at the guys at CBSSports.com. You know, it's amazing. You got some guys out there that, uh, you know, they do a pretty good job. But you know, the only thing they're doing, to be quite honest, they're guessing. For all you people out there in fantasy football, you know, you, you got, you, you take statistics, you take past performances, and you think you know who's going to do the best each coming week based upon who they're playing, but you're still guessing. I guess that, you know, the more information you have, to perhaps maybe you can try to qualify your guess, but it's just, it's just a guess. It's fantasy. You know, these people who, who pick these winners, even like myself, if I, if I take, try to tell you who's going to win a game, it's an educated guess based upon my experience, based upon the information statistics that I have in front of me. You know, that's that's all I can give you is an educated guess. But I like the way my man Herm Edwards said, you know, you play the game to win. You know, I watch the game to find out who's going to win because I don't know. I'm just stuck on this Michigan-Alabama game. I didn't think Alabama was going to beat Michigan like that. Okay, so so okay, so these games are coming up, but I can tell you what, you know, history does, you know, it's it's an indicator. It's an indicator of what you can perhaps maybe expect based upon past performance. Same thing with you know, history. That's why people ask you for resumes. They want to see what type of previous work you performed, at what level you performed, how well you performed it. That's why they're going they're going to call those references that you get that you give them. They're going to ask them very serious, you know, pointed questions as to, okay, well, I want there's some information I'd like you, if you don't mind, share with me. Um, and what type of employee this individual, what can I expect? You know, what did he or she do in terms of their performance? You know, uh, can you justify that? You know, mm, that's what I'm saying. That's why I talk about Eli being an elite quarterback and a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's got a resume, his body of work, justifiable. They got a power ranking out there in the National Football League. I, I bet you this is the first time in history. I would I, see. I'm, I'm guessing, but I'm guessing based upon you know just some indicators of the past. This is the first time that I believe that the power rankings are starting out that the two most difficult schedules happen to be teams that at the helm of their teams, their leaders happen to be their quarterbacks who happen to be brothers. That's right, brothers. The number, the most difficult schedule of all teams in the National Football League based upon last year's performances of teams, the number one team who's got the most difficult schedule, the New York Giants. The number two team who's got the most difficult schedule just so happens to be the Denver Broncos. Wow, who would imagine? The Denver Broncos had a difficult schedule last year. I bet Tim Tebow is happy to hear that because <laughs> we, we know what's going on up there in New York. That's a whole show. But I bet you Tim is happy to hear that. But the Giants, the most difficult schedule. Then you got Denver, 
the most second most difficult schedule. Then you got Cleveland, the third most difficult schedule. Then you have St. Louis, the Rams, and they come in at the fourth. And the fifth most difficult schedule is the Baltimore Ravens. Now that's interesting. That's the that's the top five most difficult schedules. The top five. And let's go to the bottom five. The bottom five, the very last team with the most difficult schedule, let's say the easier of of anybody's schedule, happens to be the Green Bay Packers. The second easiest, if you will, happens to be the Buffalo Bills. Third, Houston Texans. Fourth, Tennessee Titans. Fifth, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, let's kind of look at that. You got the top and you got the bottom. Now, if I look at the top, and the Giants finished 9-7 and seven last year, I'm not sure what the schedule was in terms of the ranking, in terms of how difficult it was last year's schedule. Because last year's you know, degree of difficulty was based upon the previous year. This year's degree of difficulty is based upon last year. So I don't know, I don't have that information in front of me. So I can't tell you that. I still think the Giants make the playoffs this year. Most difficult schedule, I still say they make the schedule. They make the playoffs. The Denver Broncos. I'm basing this upon information of which I've seen. Now I understand the preseason happens to be the preseasons. Those games don't count. There are guys that are trying to win a job. You're trying to create that chemistry in preseason, but it's still preseason. I can tell you what, Peyton Manning looks sharp enough for the division that they're in. They make it. Cleveland Browns, third most difficult schedule. They could have had the third easiest schedule. They're not going to make it. I don't see the Cleveland Browns. I don't even need to go into that. That's personal. (laughs) I don't see the Cleveland Browns making it. But I'm rooting for the Cleveland Browns. I want to make that clear. I don't see them making it but I'm rooting for them to make it. It's personal. Figure it out. St. Louis Rams. That's kind of personal, too. Shout out to the wife. Being from St. Louis. Show me state. Show me, Jeff Fisher. There you go. Show me that you can take the one, two, three, fourth most difficult schedule in your first year in St. Louis and make it to the playoffs. Show me. The conference that you're in, the division, supposed to be the you know one of the easiest so you got a difficult schedule i don't know how you get a difficult schedule being one of the easiest weakest conferences but okay i say no show me baltimore ravens fifth most difficult schedule make it make it i don't even come on it's personal i like the way ray ray plays ball i like the way ozzy puts his team together i like ed reed Already got his Hall of Fame card. That's my top five most difficult. I told you what they're going to do. Let me go to my bottom five Green Bay Packers. The easiest schedule in the NFL. Make it. No question. Buffalo, the second easiest. I would think that Buffalo also is one of those teams that, you know, they ain't, they're not one of the best teams either. But they got one of the easiest schedules. Still. Nah. Do not make it. Houston, Texas, third most easiest schedule. Texans make it. Tennessee Titans, fourth in terms of the degree of difficulty. Fourth easiest. Nah, not going to make it. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, Tampa Bay, you know, Tampa Bay is a mystery to me, but I like Tampa Bay. 
I like the big fella playing quarterback. I like him. I think Tampa Bay makes it. I really, I, I, you know, there's a lot missing with Tampa Bay, but there's also, you know, Tampa Bay is one of those teams where you least expect that they could sneak up on you and like Woody Hayes said, hit you in the head with a sack of shit. You got to watch them. You never know what you're going to get when Tampa Bay shows up. Well, I said, listen, I, I was going to go all into the conference and who's going to win the conference, who's going to win the division, but I don't have enough time. I've been t- everybody else wants another hour. Sometimes I feel like I need another hour on my show. But I tell you what, we'll come back and see who won and who lost. A lot of people think the Giants are going to win, the Bears are going to win, the Patriots are going to win, the Buffalo Bills are going to win, Saints are going to win, Jaguars are going to win, Falcons are going to win, Eagles are going to win, Lions are going to win, Texans are going to win, Green Bay is going to win, and the Seattle Seahawks are going to beat the Arizona Cardinals. That's what they say. Let's check it out next week. You've been listening to Rail of Sports from the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.